Ante Up is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. But Ante Up is much more than a magazine. Visit AnteUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. Ante Up, it's your poker magazine. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's January 27th, 2017. You're listening to the best poker cast on the internet. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. It seems like we've had these items on the schedule before. <laughs> I think they're kind of in lockstep. We always seem to talk about the World Series of over like four times, five times a year before there is a... You know, I know. They, they're, they're brilliant at trickling info. Yes. They're very strategic at getting information out. Same with the American Poker Wars, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But there are items on the show that are fresh and new, though. So, Oh, no, and this is all new news. It, new yeah, news. Kit. Yeah. But, I mean, it's just funny. It just seems like these guys know what they're doing to make us talk about them. You know? Absolutely. They're, they're smart. All right, we'll start with the World Series. The 2017 World Series poker schedule has been announced and features eight new events, including a $10,000 buy-in tag team event, a $333 buy-in online event, a $365 buy-in giant. It has multiple flights throughout the series, a $2,620 buy-in marathon with 100-minute levels, uh, a $1,000 buy-in super turbo bounty with 20-minute levels, a $10,000 buy-in PLO 8, a $2,500 buy-in big bet mixed event with seven different no-limit or pot-limit variations, and a $3,333 buy-in online event. Also new this year is players can buy in with credit cards up to $10,000 at the cage. Full schedule and more details can be found at WSOP.com. I don't know about you, but this World Series has Annie up written all over it. Doesn't it? Me and you and the tag team for ten grand. Sure. You're gonna pay for that, right? <clears throat> oh yeah, with our credit card. <laughs> The Any Up credit card, and we're going to buy into all these events. Very nice. Uh, the $1,000 Super Turbo. Around here, we call that a freaking awesome freaking structure. 20-minute levels. We are so used to that. Man, we're going to clean up at this World Series. <laughs> and what about the Big Bet Mixed event with seven different no-limit parliament? Yes, that's that's our home game in a nutshell right there. Yeah. I'll tell you, we're taking three bracelets minimum. Minimum issue. Uh, and this giant thing has shades of our one of our first anti poker tour events in Derby Lane, where you did multiple day ones, and you got paid out if you made the money at the end, and then you came back with the chips. Although, I don't think this one you're combining stacks or anything like that. But, yeah, but that format yeah. is really starting to gain some steam. I mean, it's yeah, we're seeing it around the country now, not just, you know, one or two spots. I mean, that... That is starting to gain some serious steam with the whole you can buy in and play much times and if you keep cash and we'll pay you right on the spot for that cash and you take your three biggest stacks or none, none at all just the one stack that's the biggest whatever but I mean the way they vary it but still it's it's really growing that popularity in that I mean it's like you know it used to be like rebuys was the big thing and now it was reentry and now you have these multi flights and it's always something new you know always yeah. something new absolutely <clears throat> but uh, yeah those are some really interesting events they're all very unique. I mean, except for the super t- 
Turbo Bounty. All they really did was just change the levels. Yeah, but they—they, they, I don't think they've had anything on their schedule, um, an actual bracelet event. They don't have too many things that are under our levels. I don't think. Which you know, most people are like, why wouldn't you want that? Because you could play. Um, I, I think there's a lot of people around the country that play 20 minute levels that are that their normal tournaments. Are yeah, exclusively. Room. Yeah, exactly. And you know, <laughs> you know, you might get excited about having 60 minute levels or two two hour levels or 100 hour minute levels, whatever you want to do. And so you actually play it, and then you're sitting there like, whoa, <laughs> this is slow. <laughs> um, and some players just are better at playing faster levels, so and they just can't make that adjustment. So here's an event now at the right price point too for those folks too. Uh, yeah, thousand bucks, uh, where you can get in and get out pretty quickly, um, and not have the uh, have to have the attention span that might be required for some of these five six day tournaments. Is that pretty cool? Pretty cool events. Uh, I wonder how they'll be received. I don't know if that many. And the thing about the credit card is that. Uh, tell me a little bit about that, Mar- uh, Scott, because I, I I was thinking that uh, you weren't allowed to put any kind of gambling thing on credit cards. Like you can't go to the the b- gas station and buy scratch offs with a credit card. Yeah, it all depends on what kind of agreement they have with the credit card processors. Um, so I think that was part of what they needed to work out here. We, we've seen uh, it start to slowly progress towards this. Um, and last year, you could use your credit card to buy in. You had to do the kiosk or the online thing last year, and there was mm-hmm. a limit on how much you had. So what's different this year is now you can buy in at the cage, um, and the amount that you could put on is much higher. So you can literally now buy into the main event on a credit card. So uh, I would encourage all of our, I know we have a lot of recreational listeners out here that have, uh, have dreams of taking that big shot at the World Series, and now all of a sudden putting on your credit card makes it possible. Let's be reasonable, rational. Yes. <laughs> Let's not get ourselves into debt just to chase a dream. Uh, but for folks that uh, have the uh, uh, the funds to actually play in that main event, now it's just a matter of convenience to be able to pay. And of course, you know, there's people out there with all kinds of, you know, have really mastered credit card games too. You know, I mean, I just got a new credit card with zero uh, percent interest for a year. So, hey, yeah, yeah. here's here's an opportunity if you're smart enough like that. Yeah, you could put uh, ten thousand dollars on that card, play the main event, and uh, pay it off over the, the year at no interest. Hopefully, with the money you make from the tournament. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, just don't go in saying, oh, "I don't care if I put on a credit card because I'm going to cash." Well, no, exactly. Then when your aces get cracked, <laughs> you're stuck with ten grand in debt. So, and we're kind of half joking a little bit here, but I mean, this is a serious thing. This is the one thing we need to need to be worried about is that you know one of the things where I'm I'm talking to folks, you know, normal folks, and you have these conversations too. You know, when they ask me what I do for a living and and that, and you get that kind of like cocked eye and cocked head kind of thing, right? Yeah poker isn't that dangerous and you have to explain things to them you know one of them is that you know hey we don't want to prevent people from playing poker because there are a few a very small percentage of people that can't handle it financially right yeah they get themselves overextended it's not fair to those of us that are that know you know when to quit and know how to budget our money right to tell us we can't play because those people can't same with the credit cards. I think this has been something where people, have, um, players have been saying, hey, you know, I could use a credit card for everything. I, you know, I don't have cash in my wallet ever, except when I go to the poker room, right? Right. Um, so why can't I use a credit card here? Um, and, you know, a big concern is is that people, now you've made that money easier for people to get and get themselves overextended. So I'm really hoping, hoping, hoping uh, that uh, we don't get some horror stories where people say, hey, you know, my husband put uh, the World Series Poker main event on our credit card. Now we can't uh, feed our family. Right. right? right. So 
encourage all your friends to be very um, responsible with this new freedom um, so it doesn't become a black mark. I totally agree. All right, cool. All right, uh, nominations for the 2017 American Poker Awards should be announced shortly, and the categories this year get a much-needed shakeup, and that is an editorial statement from Scott Lowe. <laughs> uh, six categories return, and the award for Best Charitable Event uh, won't have any nominees, but <clears throat> restock the shelves. <laughs> Still got 13 properties left to report, and we're already over last year's results. Yes. Uh, new awards uh, include uh, Event of the Year, which combines two previous awards, uh, Mid-Major Circuit of the Year, and Twitch Streamer of the Year, and Best <coughs> Podcast. <coughs> uh, there will also be a Pocket Fives Legacy Award for a Poker Legend, and the Hendon Mob Award joins the list of awards based purely on results. And uh, hey, a little good news for us already. Andy uh, PokerCast and the Andy Poker Tour were on the list of suggested nominees uh, sent to the media panel. And uh, what that means is um, folks were invited to help figure out the nominees. There was a suggested list for all the categories with uh, two open other spots. So if your favorite wasn't on there, you can write in another. And that will go to the nominating panel, and uh, then they'll announce the nominees pretty soon. So nothing to vote on for us right now, but it's exciting that we've at least been in the conversation this year, which I don't think we've been in the conversation for these in the past. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, we used to get we used to get named and 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 nominated and even won back before we even started the magazine. As soon as you start a magazine, all of a sudden it's like we're invisible. <laughs> I say we take away two APA awards this year. I think we're going to take down two. Two. Yeah, yeah, we're going to win two awards this year. Yeah, I'm just going to be happy if we're in the conversation. I know. I'm glad they, they actually nominated us. We're already in this conversation. I'm going to be in the next conversation. <laughs> uh, but no, I you know I did say it was a little editorial statement for me and the much-needed shake-up. But, um, you know, we've talked about the American Book Awards ad nauseum on this show. So I hope folks understand where I'm coming from on this. Um, I appreciate everything that Alex has done in bringing these awards around. We didn't have a poker awards here until he started a couple years ago. Um, so he, he definitely deserves our appreciation for that. Um, I did just think that some of the categories were were not the best categories to, to put out there in terms of making sure that all American poker was represented in it. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying everybody gets an award. I'm not one of these participation ribbon kind of guys out there. I'm not saying that. Uh, but I'm saying when you call yourself the American Poker Awards, the awards should reflect all the poker going on in America, not just that going on in Las Vegas and uh, Southern California. Right. It's like calling the World Series in baseball and they're only playing North America. <laughs> so, you know, a couple of my problems were that the, the buy-in levels for the best events, so they got rid of those this year and just had an event of the year. I mean, obviously combines both of them so it makes it a little bit more difficult but at least it takes away that those artificial things um you know i, I don't harbor any illusions that uh, the Mar- any poker tour is going to win mid-major circuit of the year but it's nice that they are um have a specific category this year that um recognizes events that aren't world series of poker of course one of the suggested nominees for mid-major circuit of the year was the world series of poker circuit <laughs> right <laughs> don't know whether that's really going to change much but uh video hey it's out there um uh, and then uh, you know they they kind of extended that they kept um media content of the year media uh, industry uh, media personality of the year are still on there but they added twitch streamer which of course which is taken off now and they added best podcast in so you know they're they're 
they're touching on more things now. So um, I definitely appreciate the changes they made this year, and uh, we'll see what happens when the nominations come out. I mean, we are a lock for best podcast because there there are no other podcasts, right? We're the only one. Oh, well, now there are a bunch on the nominee <laughs> list, so we'll see. <laughs> oh man. You know, may, hopefully they don't judge it based on the quality of the hand analysis. <laughs> really or audio quality, too. Hopefully, hopefully they don't have to listen to your banging around on the other side. Say, oh, you know, we can't and we'll give them an award. Ambient noise. It's very, you know. <laughs> those days where you wanted to have, a, like, this fake chip shuffling background noise? <laughs> that, yeah. What you're talking about is specific noise. <laughs> <laughs> Ambient is the chips in the background. Your noise is very specific. We know exactly what that noise is. <laughs> oh, man. All right. And then uh, last night before we move on, Doyle Brunson is already a Poker Hall of Famer, and now he's also a member of the Big Country Athletic Hall of Fame. He's part of this year's 12-member class in the Hall of Fame that celebrates athletic achievement in Texas. Brunson, a state champion in the mile for Sweetwater High School, also excelled in baseball and basketball. Yep. Every time I, I uh, remember that he was, you know, an athlete and stuff, I think of that conversation I had with him at uh, Foxwoods, and I asked him, I was like, do you think you'd have been, you know, you could have competed with the NBA, that, you know, because back then he got drafted or whatever, and he laughed. He was like, yeah, right. <laughs> he was like, no, it was a different game back then, man. It was a different well, it was game. different shorts back then. Yeah. <laughs> the shorts. <laughs> oh, man. I used to like the shorts in basketball since he played. I would have liked to have seen that, though, seen him play. I would you like know, to see him run the mile. Run the mile. The yeah, that would be unbelievable. But, uh, man, he's still kicking, too. Just unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. Guy guy walks up to him at Foxwood and is like, this is Doyle Brunson. He's like 80, 85 years old, and he's still playing. And boy looks up and you're like, I'm not 85 years old. <laughs> I'm like, I know. Unbelievable. But, yeah, he's he's just remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. They had, uh, not to make the show any longer, but they had the um, reruns of Poker After Dark on the other day. Yeah. And he's there playing, and he's got the big Doyle Brunson Poker Room logo on and stuff. And our friend Mary was dealing, which was kind of yep. cool. Um, but uh, just it's just unbelievable. He just takes him to task. And it was the cash game version, too. It wasn't the, the little mini sit-and-go thing. It was a $100,000 cash game or whatever. And I miss those days, man. I really do. I mean, I don't really watch poker that much on TV anymore because we're just so busy, and I just don't. I haven't really kept up with some of it. But I miss those days. I miss those days when online poker flooded the the market waves with money, and and you saw your favorite players playing every night or every other night or something. And it's just I miss those days. I really do. Yeah, uh, we'll talk about that uh, a little later in the show. I think. Cool. All right. Any updates? PokerRadius.com is a great poker networking site. That is home to the Annie Up Group discussions. Basic memberships are free, and you get access to the Annie Up Group discussions. Upgraded memberships get you access to discounts on poker products and automatic entries to contests. Also, listeners have flooded us with hands of the week, and we appreciate it. Uh, but we're still in need of listener spotlight and call the floor submissions. Email us at podcast at com or post in the Annie Up Group discussions at pokerradius.com. Each week we spotlight a listener who emails us at podcast at com, and if they haven't won something from us in the past year, just like we do with Call the Floor and Hand of the Week, we send them something cool. This week's prize is an upgraded membership to PokerRadius.com, Poker's best social networking site, and home of the annual group discussions. Is there an echo in here? I'm trying. <laughs> Comes from Jim in Australia, and he says uh, he's a long-time listener, first-time emailer. He lives in Melbourne, Australia, and would like to hear your thoughts, our thoughts, on opinions on the future of Australian poker. 
Recently, the Australian government passed legislation banning online poker sites from operating within our market. The legislation is specifically related to online gambling licensing restrictions, and 888 Poker has already blocked Australian players from playing on their site. 88 Poker also announced it is withdrawing its sponsorship deal from the Aussie Millions Poker Tournament. Rumors are quickly spreading that poker stars will not be far behind and all smaller online poker providers will follow suit. I feel like any day now I will wake up to our own version of Black Friday. Having experienced Black Friday firsthand and knowing the poker industry better than anyone else, what are your predictions for the future of Australian poker and what should players like myself be doing to ensure its continuity and success? I fear our poker scene will diminish without access to online poker sites and the reduction of major sponsorship for live events. All right. <clears throat> so what I told Jim was that uh, I don't really know what this means for the future of Australian poker. I've never been to Australia. I know it's at the top of my list. <laughs> yeah. um, so uh, um, I don't really know who's pushing all this and what their uh, their plans are. So um can't really help there but what we can do is tell them what it meant here right yeah and i think the biggest thing that people need to understand is that online poker generates a lot of money right mm-hmm. um way more money than brick and mortar casinos do because of the convenience speed of the game um and because of the competition in the online poker market um these sites dump a lot of that money revenue back into promotion to stay up keep up with the joneses right yeah so all that money is part of the responsible for um the sponsorship at these big tournaments like aussie millions we've seen um almost all of it is uh, responsible for any poker television you've ever seen um a lot of it has helped prop up uh, magazines not necessarily ours too much but other ones um so a lot of what helps and all the sponsorship deals for players, that kind of stuff, that right. all comes from online poker. So once you take away all that that revenue stream, uh, those things <coughs> are really have to struggle to survive and have to look for other revenue streams that are not as easy to find. So that's why here in the states, after Black Friday, we saw a lot of the TV shows disappear. We saw uh, one or two magazines disappear. Uh, we didn't get too many of those patch deals anymore. Um, so, uh, what you're going to need to hope for is that the brick and mortar market can pick it up um, to some degree. It's obviously not going to be able to replace it, but um, hopefully those players will go play more live poker, bring some of that revenue that's lost online uh, into the live market, and that will help. Um, but quite honestly, you know, one of the big things that we saw here in the states was that. Um, not everybody that played online poker gravitated to live poker afterwards. I mean, for good reasons. You know, if you are new to the game, um, you don't have a lot of money, and you're intimidated by live poker, online gave you an option to go play for war microstakes, pennies, literally, right? Yes. With, with nobody uh, criticizing your play, um, or at least outside of a chat, chat, chat box. Chat right? box, yeah. <laughs> um, so... The big thing I noticed here is we lost uh, that feeder system for poker, you know, because now if you want to get involved in poker, um, you don't have that online option really. I mean, there's a couple free sites out there where you might be able to get in that that might help. But for the most part, you've lost that that gateway in 
Um, so now we just have to hope for you know some of these free poker leagues or home games or things like that to generate players um, because very few players are going to walk into a normal casino and plop down a couple hundred bucks in a no-limit game when they don't know what they're doing, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that's a big problem in that. And then also, um, you know, it, just the convenience is gone now. So there are players that... Um, you know, didn't necessarily aren't intimidated by playing live, have the resources to play live, um, but just appreciate the convenience. You know, maybe they're different shift workers and, you know, they like to play at 3 a.m. rather than 3 p.m. Um, or maybe they like to play games other than No Limit Hold'em, you know, like we do, and they don't want to play No Limit Hold'em. So um, when they, they get off work and there's not a game going at the, the local card room or not a game going at the type of game they want to play, they find something else to do with their time, um, and they just don't play as much. So, um, I wish I had some good news for you, Jim, uh, but I don't think I really do. <laughs> you know, here when this stuff happens, way back when it was UIGEA crap that rolled through first. I mean, right. that's basically what launched the PPA, the Poker Players Alliance. I don't know what the government is like in Australia. Very, I'm not really specifically uh, educated on not only the government but how their legislation works and all that and what they're you know but maybe something like that will come of it i don't know if there are enough people or at least interested you know uh companies or or whatever that are affected by this that they would want to form something like a an organization like that that might be able to do something within your you know your government whatever I, i don't know um and to be honest with you, I really don't know how successful the PPA has been. They've done a lot of good stuff with defending people who have been, you know, arrested or whatever, home games broken up and things like that. And they've tried to lobby for online stuff, but it's difficult and to know. they've done a good job of keeping <clears throat> poker in the discussion. Discussion, right, right exactly. They don't have any signature achievements yet. Right, that's what I'm saying. So I don't know if you're going to be able to form something down there fast enough and strong enough and successful enough to save what's going to happen to your online poker industry. I, I don't know. But that might be the kick in the pants to get something started down there, to have someone like a watchdog looking out for you and maybe, you know, bring in some rational thought to the to the table about it. You know, I don't know. Um, but it's 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 not a fun situation to be in. I, I'm not trying to paint a dark picture for you, but it we went through it. That's why they called it Black Friday, not Rainbow Friday. <laughs> you know, because it's, it's a dark dark time. Well, and I'll say I'm a positive person, so I always try to look at uh, positive developments here, and I'm not giving you too many out there, but I would say any change is an opportunity to reassess how you look at things. So, the one thing I have appreciated about Black Friday here is it has helped our brick-and-mortar casinos get a little bit stronger in poker rooms and get more people in there so those folks can do things. So, I don't know how close you are to a brick-and-mortar casino there, Jim, but, but definitely please go support it more now when you can't play online um, and the really good ones that are going to use this as an opportunity to try to help poker as much as they can with it um, and the other thing too I'll say this goes all the way back to the UIGA right when um, when that came down I didn't really know what that was going to mean initially it didn't really mean much to us right mm-hmm. if you remember but that's when I went out and got my season tickets to our local baseball team here yeah. Of like, you know, hey, if there's possibility I'm not going to be able to do, play online poker for a couple hours every night going forward. I need to find a new activity. And so that was my new activity. Um, and that's been a 
phenomenal part of my life ever since. I mean, it helped me make new friends. I've enjoyed going to the ballpark. I've become a much bigger baseball fan. So that doesn't do anything to help poker, but it does did help my life. So you know, maybe this is an opportunity um, to find something new that's going to make you happy. Australian rules football. There we go. <laughs> Love that when I was a kid. <laughs> Me too. The little uh, refs that walked out in those and they, little suits. They, little, and stuff. they did a little pointing when they get yes. the the score. Yeah, I love that game. Awesome. <laughs> you find yourself in a situation at your favorite poker room or home game, and you're not sure what the proper ruling should have been? Email us at podcast at magazine dot com. We'll have Hollywood Casino Toledo Director of Poker Elliot Schechter tell you how he would have ruled. This week's prize is a 30-minute telephone lesson and workbook from Thomas Gallagher Casino Seminars, which specializes in poker odds and math at poker911.net. comes from Jack Perry. We're in a 1-2 uh, cash game, $1-2 Texas Hold'em Casino cash game. On the river, the player first to act bets $21. His lone opponent pauses for a few seconds and calls by putting in green 25 a green $25 chip and it should be noted that the felts are green in this casino the first player puts a white $1 chip on his cards and pushes them into center side of the table face down the other player holds his cards in his hand waiting for the dealer to declare him the winner the dealer tells the other player that there is another player in the hand and he tries to pull his cards back from the center of the table but his opponent protests saying he folded the floor is called the dealer whispers something to the floor, and after a few seconds, the floor declares the chip on the face-down cards protected the cards, and he did not fold. The other player protested, saying that the player was not paying attention and folded his cards, but he turned over his cards and was declared the winner as the other player never showed his cards. Was this the correct call by the floor? How did the dollar chip protect the folded cards? Should the dealer have advised the first player that there was another player still in the game after he moved his cards to the center of the table? Elliot says, uh, I'm convinced by the way you described his situation that the better didn't realize he was called. The dollar is most likely, likely a tip for the dealer, as this is a fairly common way to tip in cash games. This might have been the subject of the whisper from the dealer to the supervisor, but that's just a guess. Uh, the caller then attempted to win the pot on a technicality. Uh, the dealer should have spoken up and let him know he was called, but his lack of notification doesn't assist the caller in winning the pot. The better had plenty of chances to declare his hand a non-winner and didn't. Uh, if I were called to the table, I would have ruled the better's hand alive, but might have explained it differently. In situations like this one, where the money has gone in and the action is over, my aim is to make sure the best hand gets the pot. That technicality thing comes up a lot. It does, and it's really frustrating. And, you know, we keep uh, harping on this on the show, and I hope people really understand it, that you want to win by having the best hand or getting your player to fold. You don't want to win on technicalities. I mean, there's rules in place, and there need to be rules in place, and we're not asking for them not to be enforced, but if that's how you're trying to win the pot, you're trying to win poker the wrong way. Yeah. And every person was clearly a misunderstanding, right? Yeah, I didn't see the the chip. He put a dollar on. I'm sure this was a tip. This is as Elliot said. People do this all day long. Yeah, put it in there. The cards were not folded. All right, they were pushed forward, but there was a chip on them. They didn't touch the muck as by this description at all. Description at all. 
Um, so we didn't fold. You just didn't know the player called. Uh, now, yeah, people need to pay attention, and there's consequences for not paying attention. But this is not one of those consequences in my mind. I agree. I was going to say that, yeah, every player who's ever played a catch game has seen someone tip that way. So, one, they're not giving up their hand. Two, we have to decide what is considered a fold. If you don't say fold and your cards are face down and you push them forward until the dealer grabs them, and until they even, I think even until they go into the muck, you're not folded. I mean, I think if he touches them, they might be folded. It depends but, on the room. But, I mean, some rooms might say forward motion with it, but I mean, this is this is clearly yeah, this is clearly this is as clear as one can get in a nebulous <laughs> fold situation. Yeah, where it's not really a fold. So yeah, it's very strange. Um, but yeah, and it's funny how those things, keep, the same things, keep coming up. But in different ways. That's why this game is limitless, man. It's just unless you're playing yeah. limit, unless you're playing limit poker, of course. <laughs> but I mean, it's limitless. Uh, it's completely limit situational, but it's pretty crazy. Hey, we got uh, a brand new. I just wish we could find a way to get people to understand that the rules aren't meant for them to win pots on technicalities. I, I just wish we could. Yeah, you know, I said true desperation. I mean, when they they know they're not going to win, yeah. they look for a way to win because they're desperate. They either made a mistake or they're going to lose money and they don't want to, but. Hey, we get to complete Nomali's move today. Here comes part one. Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's move. I am Malcolm O'Malley. This week we are seated in a 50-person, $100 buy-in tournament. It's late in the night, and we're down to the final nine. With the top eight being paid, we've hit the bubble. However, the real money doesn't start until the top four. We have an above-average stack of 17 big blinds. The riffraff is mostly out. Only the strong have survived. There are no antis. The blinds post. The under-the-gun calls. It's folded to us in the MP with the tray of hearts, tray of clubs. There are three players to act behind us, plus the blinds. We might be able to get one or two more to come along if we just limp, giving us odds to set mine. So we limp. It's folded around to the small blind, who calls? The big blind checks, and we're going to a flop. With four big blinds in the pot, it comes down the king of spades, tray of spades, deuce of clubs. Bingo, bango, bongo, as Sexton might say. It gets checked around to us, and with two spades and a straight draw on board, plus both blinds hanging around, we're going to make a bet into this pot of three big blinds, leaving us 13 behind. The small blind folds, but the big blind surprises us by shoving in his 11 big blinds. Before we can even process what happened, the under the gun also shoves for his remaining 20 big blinds. So if we call and lose to the under the gun, we're out. If we call and lose to the big blind, we escape with essentially bus fare. If we call and win the entire pot, we're an enormous chip leader. What's the move? All right, no way I'm laying this down. A set? At the final table? Kind of feel like Jim Mora here. Playoffs? <laughs> Playoffs? Uh, no doubt we'll have to dodge some danger on the turn in the river, but we have outs to a redraw if that danger comes. Only uh, King King has us beat now, and that's some super tricky and dangerous play uh, by someone with King King in this spot. Call. <laughs> that's what I wrote on the notes. Call. I mean, how, how could I fold? I, I, I mean, it's not like it's Omaha. <laughs> I mean, how could you? I mean, if you fold here, that's pretty strong. Well, you could fold by putting a dollar chip on your card. <laughs> that would be a technical way of folding. In a tournament, no less. <laughs> I was going to channel Allen Iverson. We're talking about practice, man. Practice. <laughs> practice, man. All right, let's see what happens. Hello again. 
This is not an easy decision by any means, even with the second nuts. Could we be up against two draws? I don't think that seems very likely. A draw and a king? Maybe. Would either of them have check-raised a draw? Again, maybe. However, the key to this hand for me lies in the play of the under the gun. He limped preflop, which could signify strength and sneakiness, all wrapped up into a very dangerous move. However, he does know how to get away from a big pair. If we fold, we still have 13 big blinds, and with a decent structure, we wouldn't be in panic mode yet. Plus, if the under the gun takes out the big blind, we're guaranteed to get our money back. Interesting. I think I'm folding here. We fold. The big blind shows an offsuit king deuce. Talk about a big blind special. Ugh. We had him beat. And the under the gun tables pocket kings. Wow. This might go down as one of our best folds ever. Top set holds up, and we are all in the money. Until next time, I'm Malcolm O'Malley saying sometimes it's more about the situation than it is about the cards you hold. I hope to see you on the felt. Oh, yes, amazing laydown. Uh, but I have to wonder how many times we make that laydown and aren't up against the one hand that has us beat. Um, I don't like laying down middle set, which is 13 big blinds, no matter how good the structure is. But, uh, hey, kudos to our friend Mal here. Amazing full. You're a better man than me, O'Malley. <laughs> it is pretty remarkable uh, to do that. And I can see that the. it's funny how the pressure of a situation, uh, not even just the pressure of it, but just the outcome of a situation can make you do things you wouldn't normally do in in poker you know i mean if you're in a cash game you're not you're you're never folding that and playing it twice on sunday you know what i mean it's just remarkable and i do appreciate what o'malley's saying about knowing the situation and trust me i love analyzing situations in tournaments that's what what i like about tournaments so much is that different parts of the tournament you're going to make a different play in the same spot yeah because of of all the other information that's around you that's not in a cash game right yep um so i don't want to discourage or say that i don't appreciate o'malley thinking about the situations here i'm just like wow i mean the sets when we're down this close one hand has beat and like i said i really didn't think uh, that king king guy took uh definitely went down the uh, class five rapid with that hand that he shouldn't have i think um, and end up winning a pot, but uh, scared us out of it, right? So, um, you know, if I would have made that call and got bumped, uh, I would have got up from the table and felt fine about it. Yeah, and what even made it more sick was the big blind shows a king. Yeah, yeah. it's like so the case king comes and we still fold our set. Not that we knew it, but it's just remarkable how hard it was for that to be king king beating us, and we yeah. still folded it and, and was right and got into the money. So, remarkable. All right, it's time for the advancedpokertraining.com hand of the week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at antiupmagazine.com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. Uh, This comes from, oh boy, I'm going to just put it out there. Sean, last name I-S-K-E. I'm going to go with Isky because that sounds more fun. Isky sounds cool. Could be Isk. Could be be someone else. Isky is what I'm Could be Isky, and it's like what he does. He likes to... Go skiing. Yeah. And then if he's in a place where people don't know that Sean is Sean because it's spelled S-E-A-N, he probably has a lot of trouble with people. Right? <laughs> name and go like, I can't even... I, I can't, sometimes you can go with a last name. Hey, Mr. Whatever, right? You can't right. Name. Nah, right. You're like, 
<laughs> I give up. Hey, hey dude. Hey, dude. <laughs> What's up, man? <laughs> All right, he says, I played the following hand last night in my local card room, which is Canterbury Park up in Minnesota. Says I ended up uh, losing the hand. Spoiler alert, but I think I did okay to the river, so this is a situation. So, kind of a situation, but um, it's a limited hand, so we'll see what we can do here with that. All right. Uh, he says, with the key to limit uh, Hold'em being to gain bets and not lose bets, I'm wondering whether I should have done something different on the river. So the hand is nine-handed cash game, eight sixteen limit Hold'em with a half kill, and place take uh, his hand takes place to the regular eight sixteen, so it's not a kill. All players have at least a hundred in front of them, so there's not much risk of anybody getting all in during the hand, which I think is interesting because if I don't have a hundred dollars in front of me in a four-eight game, I'm, yeah. Popping up, and this yep. is an eight team and a half kill. Yeah, wow. Woo. I do not feel comfortable starting an eight sixteen hand, even in a non kill hand, with only hundred bucks. In no way. Because I mean, like, so if you do a raise pre flop, that's sixteen, right? Right. And you get a bet and a raise in, so that's thirty two on the flop. And so I mean, if it's just called down, it's sixty-four. So I guess you're probably in there. But you know, what happens if you get a hand and somebody two two other people get a hand? That hundred bucks is going in before you get to the river. Yeah, if anything gets capped after that thirty-four pre whatever, I mean, you're capped. You're screwed. And if it, if just something somehow becomes a half kill hand, you know what I mean? It's twelve twenty-four or whatever but still yeah i mean i mean that's stuff yeah i want to have at least two bills in front of me at all times just to be so i can play more comfortably i mean again going back i mean this is not what the situation he asked for but (laughs) we're gonna turn it into more of it you know he's right the key limit holdem is uh winning bets and losing bets so one way of losing value or losing bets in this game is not have enough money in front of you to make those last bets and this is the great thing about limit is that uh, unlike no limit, you know, in no limit you could put a thousand dollars down in front of you, and now you're forced to put that thousand dollars in if somebody makes that bet, right? Yep. And limit, you're not forced to put that bet in. I mean, so it's it's a really good insurance policy just to have as much money as you can imagine would go in that pot in front of you in limit. And you never have to worry about it. I totally agree. It's just a it's a different animal, but. You're right, a hundred dollars with an eight twelve is just that game is just that I mean eight sixteen, I mean that's just not big enough. Yeah. And enough. everybody has it too. I know, that's weird. Which actually probably indicates to me that these games don't get a lot of raising because if they did get a lot of raising in them, uh I would think there'd be fewer people with just a hundred bucks in front of them. Yep. Out there. But all right. He says, I just sat down, uh, less than an orbit board his hand. I stirred my big blind. Um, in this hand, I'm in the hijack. Thus, I have very little read on these players other than the stereotypical assumptions based on age and appearance. And I love stereotypes. <laughs> All right, he says, uh, blinds post, uh, under the gun, races to 16. And he describes this person as an older guy who looks to be in his mid to late 50s. Voice starting to hurt a little bit, isn't it? Yeah. Not quite the mid to late 50s here, but they're already calling us old. <laughs> Uh, two players fold, middle position player calls. He's a younger guy who looks to be mid to late 20s. Um, next to act and look down at the Queen of Spades, Queen of Diamonds from the hijack. So I guess we'll kind of talk it through, even though it's just kind of a situation. Okay. Well, one of the things I like about Limit is that you, when you make it another bet, it's harder for someone to call two bets cold without a really good hand, knowing there's people behind in the act, knowing there was someone raising already. 
So I, I like to raise again here with this and try to try to get heads up if it can. But the best part about it for me is that it's, it's a different mindset when you're playing limit to me. Sure. I, pe- people, yeah. you know, if somebody goes, oh, I'm going to make it in no limit hold in one two game. They make it six. Someone else makes it eighteen. There are a lot more people in no limit hold and willing to call eighteen than they are if somebody makes it sixteen. And somebody makes it twenty four or something, and then you got to look at that. Just you know what I mean? It's like so. In this case, we can make it. We can make it to what he made. It, the guy made sixteen, so we can make it twenty four. Right. Is that right? Right. So yeah, I mean, it's in limit. It's difficult to call twenty four cold here with speculative hands, unless you're just Bill Gates with tons of money and don't really care. Um, so I like that about playing limit, which we didn't do at the home game, which really kind of pisses me off. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm going to raise here and hope to narrow it down to one or two players. Right, and then as this guy, another guy raises his back, now we're, we kind of have a good idea of what he has. And right. it's probably not good for us at that point. Um, but we could be cautious at that point. But, um, but yeah, I definitely don't want a lot of people in my pot when I have a big pocket pair. So. Right. All right, well, that's exactly what we do. We raise 24, uh, cut off in the um, uh, button. Oh, that's really 16. How can we raise to 24? Wouldn't it be another 8? Let me see. It's it was, he eight, raised, raised oh, sixteen. It's eight sixteen. So that means it was four eight. So he raised from that. To oh yeah, twenty four. I'm sorry. Gosh, right. terrible math there. Twenty four. All right. So All we're right. back. Sorry about that. Okay. Uh, cut off and button both fold. Uh, small blind and big blind both call. And he says both are older guys who look in their early sixties. All right, age is getting higher for the older <laughs> guys. Under the gun and middle position both call as well too. So I, to me, this is key now that we didn't get re-raised by the other gun, right? Yep, I think. So now I think we can dismiss kings and aces from being in this hand. Uh, now, this mean that we're going to win, but at least we don't have to worry about those two things. Now, if an ace or king come, I think we need to be worried about somebody having that. Um, but if we get three unders to our queens, I feel a lot more confident than I would have been had the undergum uh, capped it or re-raised, depending on how many bets you're allowed to have in this game. That makes sense? Yep. All right. Uh, 114 in the pot on the flop. Uh, after the rake and jackpot drops taken out, flop comes nine of spades, nine of hearts, eight of spades, and checks to us. Uh, well, I mean, it is limit, and guys can have those hands very easily, like a nine or pocket eights or something. So, But I'm not going to not bet. It's a big pot. And I know this whole save a bet, extract a bet, that kind of thing. But we got queens. No one re-raised us. It's 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 a good chance that we're ahead here still. Mm-hmm. Um, and if someone happened to hit one of those cards, you know, or make a boat somehow or something, we'll find out. But with that amount of money in the middle, that's the other beautiful thing about this game is you can hopefully make it so it doesn't cost you that much by the river. And you can turn over hand for you know value or something. So uh, I'm still gonna bet though. I, I I'm not gonna not bet. So I bet my eight. Yeah, uh, I like the spot because again, as I mentioned, there was not an ace or a king on there. So sure, somebody might be had some kind of random nine um, pocket eights would probably call two bets pre flop as well too. Um, possibility that there's a jack 10 out there that would call two bets as well too so we need to get that value out of those hands before they hit um, and the fact that there's a pair on board now means that we have two pairs so it kind of kills runner runner two pair options that might come so I'm definitely betting here every single time yeah yep. 
Um, all right. Uh, we, as we do, we bet the eight bucks. Uh, small blind, big blind, both call. Under the gun and middle position player both fold. So interesting. Well, that's good. Well, for a couple of reasons. I mean, the main reason, though, is that, you know, we have position now. Um, but it does make me a little weary, and not because they called, you know, they could have anything, they'd be drawn to anything, but these guys called a, a an extra bets two bets cold in the yeah. blinds, so they might have a hand, and if they check called, they could be drawing still, but I'm just going to be weary of someone walking the dog, and I'm the dog, so yeah. um, maybe if that turn gets there for the same thing, I might check behind it and just pay the 16 on the river but exactly anyway yeah i'm a little saving weary the bet part. yeah yeah saving the bet i'm a little weary all right our here says with this board i'm putting small blind and big blind is having a nine or nine nine eight eight pairs tens to kings i assume aces with a four bet pre-flop flush draws open-ended straight draws and maybe queen ten or jack ten for a gut shot and two over cards I I'm think we talk about the kings. But. Yeah, I think I was gonna say the same thing. I think the kings could easily be eliminated from that range because I think they would have put another bet in to get those other guys who were gonna have to face three bets or whatever out. But um, the other thing too, I think I would eliminate queen ten and queen jack from calling this. I mean, I realize that if they're in there at that point with those hands, they might want to do it because they mount massive pot odds. But did they really get there? Did they really call two bets cold with queen ten out of position? Probably not. Um, yeah, and you got, and that's important to think about who, who these players are, right? So we, pre-flop, we had the under the gun that raised, we raised, and then both of these players came in after that point. So, I mean, I know there's some loose play in limit. I don't see it as much in the eight sixteen level as I do in the four eight level, but uh, queen ten, I just cannot see calling that even suited. Uh, Jack queen suited, maybe. Um, but I think uh, I think those are tough hands to to call two bets cold pre-flop with uh, in an eight sixteen game. And now they're calling us again when we've shown a lot of strength in this hand. Um, less likely on those. Now, obviously, if those are spades, then maybe they're sticking around now. But um, uh, I think we're I think he's right. I think we're more into these pairs here. Um, or like an ace king spades or something like that. Yeah, if I'm in this hand with queen jack and has gotten to this point, yeah, I, I'm calling that one bet for there's 114 out there, eight more, 122, and I only have to call eight to hit a gutter, or even maybe maybe one of my overcards is good. Like if I hit my queen, and it might be good in my mind. So yeah, I'm gonna call, but I don't think I get there. And I mean, I don't think I'm actually in this hand after the flop. I mean, I think right. I was gone before the flop. So um, yeah, if I'm in it. Then I'm in it to win it there, but um, I like you said, unless it's queen jack of spades, you know. And even then, like I said, I think I still go away from that pre-flop action. But uh, if I did stick around, then yeah, I'm going to be in it for the long haul here. Um, but yeah, I, I'm starting to think, like you said, I'm starting to think it is the the smaller cards or the ace king because ace king doesn't re- raise there again pre-flop. I yeah, think they just I, call. I don't think you, yeah, three bet with ace king, right? So something like that, ace king or ace queen of spades, and maybe that's a hand that that is sticking around here. But other than that, it's it's going to be the smaller cards or the nut flush draw, or the straight draw. I think jack mm. is a good possibility. Yeah, I just like I said, I don't know if you stick around for jack ten for three bets cold, two bets cold, but maybe you do. Uh, suit to jack ten, you might. Maybe, yeah, maybe. <clears throat> All right, turn uh, one hundred and thirty-eight in the pot now, and the turn is the four of diamonds. So our board now is nine of spades, nine of hearts, eight of spades, four of diamonds. 
and checks to us again. Yeah, I'm going to check. Uh, it's probably a mistake because if they're drawing, I'm giving them a free card. But I just couldn't put them on those hands. I just, I really couldn't. Jack 10, maybe. But I really couldn't put them on those hands. Um, it just feels the only hand that makes plausibility is a 9, a pair of 8s, or even a, like you said, an Ace King. Maybe an Ace King of Spades, and maybe I'm making a mistake there. But I might check the turn. Um, I don't know. I might check. Yeah, turn. I'll be interested to hear from our limit experts out there and what they would do here. For me, this is a. Um, this is a save a bet opportunity here. Now, obviously, as you mentioned, we we give them an opportunity to catch up, but we also give ourselves an opportunity to improve. You know, you know, queen comes here on the river. That that's fine, right? Yeah. Uh, especially if it's a queen of spades. Um, unless we're up against jack of ten spades, that would really be <laughs> terrible. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, I'm inclined to. To check here, it, it, you're right. It might be a mistake. I, I'm sure there might be some people who say we need to bet here. But also say that this is the street where people that flopped a monster come alive with, right? Yeah. So if we're up against quads or a flop full house, um, and we've been betting strong the whole way, they they would probably assume that we're going to bet again. So let them bet, uh, particularly if I'm a small blind, right? Because, um, or I'm sorry, from the big blind. Because let's let them bet, maybe get the small blind to call, now check raise, now I've trapped another $16 in this pot. Um, uh, but this is where I might want to check raise rather than come alive. It's tough in the limit. This is the problem with limit is when you're out of position is when you come alive with a big hand. Because once you bet, you might get everybody to fold. Um, or you might not lure that person in to make that bet and check raise. So... Um, this 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 is a check raise street for me if I have a strong small if I'm the small blind or big blind I'm a strong hand so by us checking behind we take away that possibility um, let them bet out the river and we put the same amount of money in that we would have before yeah yeah and they can't raise us at that point yep uh, all right our hero says I narrow the ranges to uh, pairs of tens through kings flush draws and open ended straight draws I think that nine x nine nine or eight eight would have led let out the turn or check raise the turn um, and the gut shots uh, probably would have folded the turn if they were out there I'm sorry I forgot to mention he bet oh he did he bet okay and they, he bet 16 and they both called they so, both yes, called jeez yeah or, so yeah <clears throat> uh, it's very odd to me that we didn't get a check raise there for behind um, so I I'm narrowing more down to the uh, again maybe it's as he mentioned Tens jacks, tens or jacks, hoping that, that we're just not as strong as we're saying. Um, the, inter- the interesting thing here is, let's just for a second go back in time and say, okay, we're the opponent now, we're not um, uh, Sean. And Sean makes it two bets cold to us. Well, we we're in the blind, so we have a little money in there. But so anyway, we we can look at him as saying he had ace king and tried to narrow it down because somebody with ace king might make it two bets cold, which they would. The flop comes, they miss it. We all check to him. He bets. Now they're saying, all right, well, it could have been a continuation bet, so let's check to him one more time. Now he's bet again. So now that he's bet again, he's telling us it's not ace-king, because ace-king would probably check behind there. Yeah. So by saying that, if I have a really big hand, I'm not going to check-raise. 
You know, if I have quads or full house, I may just call and keep the other blind in too. If it's the small mm-hmm. blind who has it, so I really don't know what to read into these. Both these guys calling one could have a monster and one could be drawing, um, or they both could be drawing. I just it's it's hard for me to imagine two hands that stuck around preflop that are drawing hands unless it's specifically ace king suited and jack ten suited. You know what I mean? It's just a very specific hand to put them on. So it it just feels like someone is walking the dog here because they didn't they didn't wake up and yeah, do something. I don't know. I just I think I mean again this is the problem being out of position because now when you raise now it makes it look like you have a hand you've been sitting there lying in the weeds ready to pounce and now you pounced. So when you pounce, does that does everybody else say, uh, "Yep, I knew it. There it is," and fold, or they say, "Hey, I'm going to make the call here." and see what comes on the river and if they do that and then we bet out the river again it's impossible with as much money in the pot to not make that river call as well too just in case Yeah, we still get that same money out of there so I, I think the only fear in check raising here is if both people don't have anything um, but even if you check raise and you're on the draw your opponent's on a draw they got a call now right they're invested I think so. I, I don't see a lot of reasons not to check raise here at this point. If I had one of those big hands, okay. But yeah, because then even then in the end on the river, what do you do now? If you bet out, he's going to fold. If he had ace king anyway, he missed. So now you're hoping that he hits, and then you can bet out, and then he can raise you. You know, what I mean, you're, that's what you're hoping for as one of those blind people, right? So, who you're, may have so a you're kind of losing hand. a bet here, I think, um, by not check raising, getting that extra sixteen in now. Because you, regard, if you have a monster, you've got to bet out that river. And if you're on a draw, then you, you're obviously you're not. But if you have a monster, you have to bet out that river because you can't take the chance that they're going to check behind and lose that last bet, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, at that point, you're probably if you bet out, then you're probably not going to get raised. Um, obviously, if we hit our queen, we'll probably raise. But um, so you're only going to get 16 more out of you're only going to get 32 max out of this hand by not check raising. You know if that's what both players uh, call your your river bet. But now if we raise, now we have a possibility of picking up another 32 right now plus another 32 on the river. So that's why I would check raise. Hmm. Okay. Well, <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't know. That was a lot of. What a math there. Of course, I, mean, I don't even know. I, mean, I don't know how you're guaranteed 32 on the end, right? How do you? Well, you're not, not guaranteed. I'm saying it's a possibility. So. Yeah, because you think they may raise you. Like if you're, well, the, no, you're yeah, talking about you're in the blinds. Two people still in the hand. Oh, okay. So, I got you. So either they're still going to stick around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the hand has to get there too for one of them. Okay, right. I got you. All right. right. Yep. But that's just it. Once the hand doesn't get there, if you're on a draw, you're not putting more money in this spot, right? Right. So, this is. I mean, this is classic Omaha thinking that actually plays well in limit. Is that you got to get people to commit money when they still have hope? Once yep. they have no hope, there's no more reason to put money in the pot. So, if somebody's sitting there with Jack Ten of Spades right now, they're not going anywhere, right? Right. Right now. So, if I can get 16 bucks out of them now and they still have hope, rather than waiting to the river when that spade doesn't come, now they have no hope and they're like, "I'm not going to give you 16 more dollars." Right. 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 <clears throat> and that's the important thing to remember in limit too is that that one bet at the end you have a lot of odds. That's why you, it's almost always correct for you to make that last call unless you have nothing in your hand. Yeah. You know, if I have jack, a queen here, of spades, and the river is the deuce of something, I'm not calling that last sixteen just because the pot's so big. Yeah, you're not going to the queen high. Giving out at that right? But right right now. If someone raises it, I got to I got to make that call. Yeah. All right. All right. 
River is uh, 186 dollars in the pot. River is the tray of hearts. So it's a nine of spades, nine of hearts, eight of spades, four of diamonds, tray of hearts, final board, and they both check to us again. Oh, we're checking. I mean, first of all, you're never going to get called by a worse hand here, unless it's kings. It has to be very specific. It would have to be tens or jacks. Right. I mean, I mean, the only hand that's gonna that's gonna call you and beat you. You know, what I'm trying to say is like, yeah, something. Yeah, that's what I meant, like jacks or something. I mean, they, or maybe like an ace, eight of spades. Well, no, the eight, no, of eight doesn't work. So yeah, that doesn't even work. Yeah. yeah, no, I think it has to be those. Those are the only two hands that we want action from here. That right, legitimately could call us and then like, we beat tens and jacks. Yep, and then some random eight that didn't believe us maybe, but even that, it's just I don't see that hand preflop being there. So you're just asking for trouble, and the only hands that call you are going to beat you. So. I'm, there's no reason to bet here. The pot's huge. You're not going to get anybody to fold a nine. It's just not going to happen. Um, and really, very specific hands now that stuck around like nines and jacks are the only ones that might call you. Um, but you bet it the whole way. They're te- you're telling them you have at least queens. Right. So, I mean, there's no way you're bluffing every street. You know, it's limit. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't like that bet at all. Um, all right, well... Uh... I didn't tell you he bet yet, but you had to assume he did, right? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, well, yeah. so he, I wonder what I'm saying. I don't. I'm saying not that he bet. I'm okay. saying I don't like that bet at all. I don't like I to bet. Right. I bet exactly. there. Right, right. No, it's definitely a check behind, and then hope uh, we got some showdown value and uh, raking a nice, nice big bot. That's a big blind. Now you've told me he bet. <laughs> I didn't know he bet, but yeah. okay. Oh, now, yeah. All right. So uh, he doesn't listen to our advice. He bets the 16. Small blind raises the 32. Big blind folds back on us. Yeah, well, I'm just gonna call. Yeah, it's I mean, it's terrible. Way, but yes, he and watch him, watch him turn something. over the winner. <laughs> yeah. Small blind tables, nine of clubs, nine of diamonds. Oh, jeez. Right, uh, so I did not consider this during the hand, but I'm wondering whether I should have just checked back the river. I was the last person to act, and given my holding with this board, my bet is probably only going to get called or raised by hands that beat me. And most hands that I beat, uh, for example, busted draws will fold. The only hands that I could beat that I may call are tens and jacks. Well, this kind of sounds familiar, right? Yeah. Uh, and there are more hands out there that hurt me that would call raise than hands that I could beat that would also call the river bet. Should I just check the river or am I leaving value out there? Part of me wonders whether my analysis is clouded by the small blind flopping quads. Yeah, the quads is interesting. I can see now why he's doing all this walk in the dark stuff we mentioned earlier. Um, it's hard, like you said, for him to imagine that he doesn't, like, bet the river. I mean, because to me, I think the mistake that Sean Mannion was betting, and I, and I, if I'm the guy with quads, I'm thinking, I got to bet now to get 16 out of somebody, because it's obvious to me that everyone's checking here, because exactly. nothing got I mean, there. Think about if, if our hero played it the way we said and checked behind. Now that small blind lost... Sixteen dollars in value, at yep. least. Yeah. Maybe thirty-two if the big blind decided to call, but um, we, we we won't know that because he had to face two bets. So, so you, at the very least, you're you're throwing away sixteen dollars because once you get this far, that last person has to make that call, right? Yeah. Because there's no way us as the heroes in this hand uh, were betting all the way with the draw, so we had something. So again, the rules of limit state that we have to make that call in the end with a hundred, two hundred bucks in the pot. Um 
So there's no reason for you not to bet there. Now, obviously, it's better if you are uh, in the. So now, yeah, we have the opportunity to get the. This is a great evil ready to bet out now, and which made it harder to check raise because we had the big blind here. But better for us on the river to be a small blind now because the big blind still had something he has to call now, unless he's afraid that he's going to get raised and re raising caught a re raising situation. But still, you have to make that bet and and get that 16. I can't, I can't believe he. he trusted his instincts that Sean would bet again to check and, and take that risk of trying to get it to 32. So he ended up getting the max out of the river that I think he could have gotten. I can't imagine. Yeah, yeah. unbelievable. That is some crazy trust in his either his read or maybe Sean was betting in a way that he knew he was going to just keep betting every street. You know, I don't, I don't know. But it's pretty remarkable that he checks that river there and gets that extra 16 out of you. An extra 32, really, because I would have checked behind there in, a, in an instant. Um, if I was Sean, um, but you live and you learn. I mean, there, you know, and that's the other thing too is the overpair is so tempting to keep betting, you know, uh, and you really got to know when to to slow down. It'd be one thing if it was one player and you were playing him heads up and you were convinced he was drawing, and maybe you get him the bluff at the end. Even then, you can't be that so positive at the end that your bet is going to be called. So why are you betting? You know, you're just opening up a chance for a check raise, somebody slow playing something, and yeah, that's too bad. So I think you lost 32 more than you needed to there, maybe even more, maybe even the, the turn check there too. You know, he could have checked, check, he would have bet the river anyway, and then you would have had a call. So either yeah, way. Sure. So if he would have checked the turn, uh, we would have saved $16 there. Um, the small blind would have bet out on the river at that point because he couldn't have trusted us to bet, right? Right. And then we would have put 16 in. So we would have put 16 in instead of 48. So in terms of results-oriented analysis, we, we cost ourselves $32. In this yeah, game. yeah. There you go. All right. I'm Chris Casenza. <laughs> I'm trying to end the show here. Go for it. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. We'll see you at the tables. Anti-Up is a production of antiupmagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at antiupmagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network.